Hey, and thanks for joining us. Just before we get started, there's a quick disclaimer that the opinions you're about to hear are solely those of the guests and the host of this show and may or may not reflect the opinions of Consolidated Electrical Distributors and its affiliates. As an electrical distributor, we rely heavily on our relationships with our reps and partners. Goran Cockrell-McCoy is the vendor of the month for June at CED Vero Beach. They represent such lines as Encore Wire, FLIR, Intermatic, CNI Enclosures, TAMAC Devices and Boxes, Light Efficient Design, and so many others I can't even mention them all here. As a result of our partnership, we're able to offer you a 10% discount on these items if you mention the podcast and show that you've downloaded it onto your phone. All right, thanks for joining us. We're going to get started right now. Welcome to the Get Wired Podcast, presented by CED Vero Beach. Join us as we make new connections, share our outlooks on business as well as life, and provide a new look at the wholesale electrical supply industry from the inside out. This is the Get Wired Podcast. Here's your host, Mike Burkhart. All right, thanks for joining us today. We got a special guest on the show. It's a little after hours issue of the Get Wired Podcast. We're here with Travis Rowland of Mercedes Electric of Miami. Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Glad to be here. Thanks for making the trip. It's uh, it's quite a drive, and you guys braved the weather and the. It was stormy. It was rainy and stormy. Yeah. It yeah. <laughs> but it's worth that. I mean, you guys are here. This is awesome. So, t- just tell us a little bit about how you got into the, the electrical supply industry. We're just going to jump right in, man. So. Sure. Um, well, I think I probably got into it the way that I feel like a lot of people get into it, which is by accident. Um, I don't feel like we do a great job in this uh, industry, at least to date, of, of getting the word out of what a great industry it is. I certainly didn't know um, how, how great and how fun this industry could be. Um, I, well, I'm going to go way back. I was uh, an English major, um, film minor. So the fact that I'm doing anything regarding electrical distribution is still kind of insane to me. Um, yeah. It's certainly not a career path I ever imagined myself in. Um, I don't know what I really imagine myself doing with my English degree, but <laughs> probably teaching or writing. Um, but that's a big jump, right? I mean, so so you're go, you're going to school in uh, North Carolina? Yeah, Western Carolina. Is that where you're from? Like you were born? Yeah, born, born and raised, raised. Born and raised. And then, like, how did you actually stumble into finding a job? Well, uh, after graduation, I was kind of drifting around. Um, bartending, waiting tables, not really ready to settle into career mode. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I had a pretty good bartending uh, gig, doing a couple of of different odd jobs, doing fine. And then uh, one night, uh, suffered a pretty horrendous broken arm in a little wrestling match with friends, as you want to do when you're 24, 25 (laughs) years old. So... Uh, broke the humerus. It was pretty ugly, pretty nasty. Um, Doesn't sound humorous at all. No, not. And it was uh, makes bartending very difficult. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure I was very good with one or both arms. <laughs> with one, it was it was definitely definitely not a go. And so, what was your what was your favorite drink to make? Oh man, uh, you know, at the time I was working at a, a Jimmy Buffett's um, oh god cheeseburger in paradise, <laughs> and so it was a lot of. <laughs> Like beachy fruity drinks, which would probably yeah. go over well here in Vero Beach or in Miami, you know, right. where I live now, but not so much in Western North Carolina. Oh um, my it's goodness. kind of an odd placement for that restaurant. So you're like just one less frozen margarita, right. please. <laughs> exactly. Like Jack and Coke, that would be my favorite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I can't even. It's been so long. Like it goes fast, you know. Uh, you know, you 
to know all these drinks when you're kind of in the game. And now, oh, yeah. I mean, I can hardly remember any of them. You know, just, just the basics. I mean, that's at, sort of what I drink. I worked at a lot of restaurants and bartending, service bartending. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. I mean, you learn all these recipes, you cram them in, you know them without even thinking about it. And then pretty much as soon as you leave that restaurant, those proprietary drinks are just... Completely gone. Yeah. Completely gone. I mean, yeah. the only thing I retain from my years in that business other than... I mean, I do think I have a penchant for customer service, but I'm a good tipper, you know? Yeah. <laughs> You've got to really mess it up uh, right. to very get a bad forgiving. tip from me. I'm very forgiving. Yeah. Um, because, you know, once you're in that game, you do have that sympathy for uh, It's their livelihood. I mean, uh, episode three was was service, you know, and that was actually uh, one of the things we talked about. Mm-hmm. It was it was a, one of our shorter version podcasts, but uh, it was... You know, obviously, it's one of the three pillars of CED's model, service, integrity, and reliability. Sure. But uh, for me, it all started in the restaurant business, like having to think on your feet, having to react to customers, and quite frankly, having to make people happy in order to eat that night or, or go out. <laughs> wow, right. I mean, well, I don't know what they were paying you when you were doing it, but I think the most I made was four twenty-five an hour. Um, yeah, that was probably, probably in that ballpark. Um, and especially waiting tables. You know, as a guy, if you're working at Cheeseburger in Paradise and there's like two dudes and, you know, <laughs> six good looking girls right. um, and you get the table with the eight frat guys, they're not excited yeah. to see you. Yeah. You know? So not... you got to really put on the sales there. <laughs> um, they're not happy about it. Right. I, I think uh, in general, in that situation, there's a lot more leeway when it comes to uh, attractive females. Uh, <laughs> For sure. Uh, they, get a lot, they get away with a lot more. In fact, in this industry, too, I mean, women... Can are, are amazing in this industry when they applaud themselves just like anybody, but uh, they do get away with a lot of stuff. Like we we have there's an employee that works here that she's able to say things to customers that if I said it, I'd never be able to talk to this right, guy again. Right. I mean, I don't know if you guys have that experience down in Mercedes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty universal. Um, you know, it's just uh, in, in our business, there, there's not a lot of women in our industry. You know, we're obviously trying to change that it's historically just been a male-dominated industry so um yeah i do think just even out of novelty like I, I yeah think they can get away with more um it's just, it's just a different interaction the customer's not used to that's know, coming in our business that's true you know and, and i guess i don't know how they do it but uh, i'm always a little envious of that for sure like, <laughs> right. like damn it I, I, I wanted to say that to that guy forever you know and just right. <laughs> you say it the first day you meet him um well, cool. So do you have any, like, mindsets or certain beliefs that you kind of live by or management styles that, that are particular to, to what you do that you put a lot of effort into thinking about? Um, good question. Um, I would say, I, I don't know, they're ever-changing um, in some ways. I mean, you got your basics. Like, I, I definitely believe in the value of customer service, I, no matter what business you're in. Um, it translates pretty much all across the board. I mean, yeah. people have to want to buy from you, whether you're selling books or apps or, like us, electrical supplies. I mean, it really is all about relationships, um, especially in a business-to-business uh, setting like we're in. I mean, and, you know, beyond that, in a, in a straight business-to-consumer setting, if, whether you're a coffee shop or a restaurant, you still have your regulars. You have, you know, your community that you want yeah. to come in there. So, I mean... Those relationships are imperative too, but they're certainly imperative in the B two B world because you know that's there's only so many electricians in <laughs> Miami Dade County, and obviously I want every one of them to buy from me, and 
right. if you make enough room angry or don't make them feel welcome, it's going to be a long day, you know. Whereas if you're Starbucks, there's a whole lot more people that want coffee than can install electrical supplies. So you right. certainly can pull from a broader base um, if you do happen to to anger a couple of customers. But uh, for us, especially, it's imperative that we provide the service, that we make them feel welcome, that we develop those those relationships. So I mean, that would definitely be the metric. Let's talk about start at. let's talk about one aspect you mentioned: make them feel welcome, uh, mm-hmm. because I think that is. Uh, it's free, generally, for the sure. most part. I mean, there might be a few expenses in there along the way, but uh, just the attitude of your employees that are set up to make them feel welcome. Um, like, what do you guys do particularly down there to, to make people feel welcome, like from the very, from every touch point of the interaction? Um, I think we, we certainly make a point of it as far as our overall philosophy, as far as things we talk about in sales meetings. We, I try to enforce on my employees to constantly think of themselves as a consumer because we're all consumers. We all buy stuff. We all get gas. We all go to the grocery store. And so, you know, it's very easy when you're on the other side of the the desk or the counter to to have, to forget that mindset that, you know, I'm also a consumer. And if switch places with that person, like whether they're angry or they're happy or whatever, like how would I feel right now? Or, you know, just put yourself in that place. Where do you like to to go? And so... Uh, totally. We yeah. really try to enforce that. And, and it's a it's a constant, I don't want to say grind because that sounds negative, but it, you definitely need to continually remind yourself of that because it's easy. We're all busy. We all, you know, you get frustrated sometimes or you get a lot on your plate and, and it's really easy to forget that, hey, you know, I'm a consumer. This guy's a consumer. Let's yeah. treat him the way that I would want to be treated. I think, I think that grind term is starting to come around from being a, a pejorative to be more of like a almost like a compliment, you know. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Now we uh, we listen to a lot of the same podcasts. Yeah, uh, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, but grind is definitely a buzzword. I would say it's yeah. coming back around. Yeah, I mean, get get up and grind or grind every day or it's no longer just like this. This, I mean, it can be. It can definitely be a negative thing if you think of it that way. But right, it's more of a badge of honor now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on a. I'm How much like, can you grind? Yeah, I'm on a Gary Vaynerchuk like <laughs> yeah. dive right now. I think I've listened to. Like, 14 hours nice. you know, content in the last week or so. Yeah. Um, what's definitely your, a grinder. What's your take on him? Uh, I'm a big fan. You know, I, I do. I think when I spoke to you about him earlier, when I first heard him on on another on uh, Billy's podcast, Impact Theory, yeah. Impact Theory, you would you would mention that you had done a you would listen to him a lot more, and that there's a lot of repetitiveness, and I've discovered that there is, um, but. I don't, I don't mind it because his message is simple, I think, and it needs to be repetitive. It's almost like what we were talking about a second ago. You have, there are certain things that it's good to keep reminding yourself of. Yeah. And, um, I feel like he's very genuine. I feel like, uh, a lot of ideas he gives away for free are genius. If you want (laughs) to grab a hold of them and use them, I'm about to implement some of them myself. I really want to test them out. Um, Anything you want to share? Is it all top secret? Well, no, it's not top secret. I mean, it's certainly not top secret. He has a much wider platform and audience than me, and he's saying it for free all the time. Yeah. But you know, just the stuff about, like, the thank you economy, you know, yeah. uh, the things that he would do uh, for customers or clients to make an impression that didn't even make economic sense at the time, but you're, you're building that road, that roadmap for a relationship. You're building for the future. And so... Yeah. 
Um, you know, his whole the Jay Cutler theory story where you oh, know I heard that one. Yeah. the guy <laughs> bought, you know, like two hundred bucks worth of wine and they made ten dollars on the transaction, but he found out he was a huge Jay Cutler fan, so they sent him like a three hundred dollar Jay Cutler jersey. Didn't they kinda like cyberstock him to figure that they out? They did, they did. <laughs> and you know, and that's some of the stuff that honestly I'm gonna be doing because I, I think he makes a good point. I think uh if you cyberstock on like a Facebook, it seems weird to people, but yeah. I think Twitter, Instagram, I think that stuff is wide open, and I don't think people mind if, like, you pick up a tidbit about them on Instagram or Twitter, and you make a gift a little more personal, and, you know, we kind of had a meeting about that this morning at my office with, you know, a few of my employees were kind of laying out a vision for that, and, you know, in our business, in the electrical supply business, there's a whole lot of the same old gifts or swag if you will oh yeah we all give out the shirts we all give out the coolers or the koozies or whatever we all take people fishing we all it's you know we play golf we do all these things and all those things are fun and it's not that they're not appreciated but i don't feel like the customer gets a sense of um it's almost now to the point where the good customers it's happened to them so much and they've gotten so many of the same gifts it's not a gift anymore. It's, it's like commodity. They, they expect it. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey man, where's my t-shirt or right. what's this? But if you flip the script a little bit and, and you find out that somebody is a huge Packers fan or even even better if it's something way more obscure, you know, right. like if, I don't know. Like some, Duck Dynasty or right, something. Right, whatever. Yeah. Right? And you buy somebody like a $150 thing, whatever it is, yeah. that they would never buy for themselves because those are always the best gifts. Like something right. you want but would never drop the money on yourself because you're like, I can't. I can't pay that. Right. Um, those gifts are amazing. And I, and I think that moves the needle, you know, in a way that even though they appreciate the t-shirt or they appreciate the hat or whatever, the golf trip, but those things are so stale and played out and, and they're nice. It's not like we don't mean it or when we give it to them. It's not like we're not like, hey, thank you. Because right. we certainly are. But, the you know, the other thing shows a, an, it's an extra level. It's, hey, man, I didn't just give you a shirt because we bought 700 shirts and you're a good customer. <laughs> I thought about this. Like, right. I saw whatever. Or I remember from a conversation, it didn't have to be internet stalking. Like, I, I know that you liked Doug Dynasty, and so I went out and got this for you. And that makes a mark. You know, it leaves an impression. That's something, like, Gary Vaynerchuk says, that they tell their friends. That's that's how you get the word of mouth going. Um, that's what it's all about. I mean, just paying attention. People will tell you, or they'll drop subtle hints, or... Yeah, you could even see like a bumper sticker on their van or something mm-hmm. like that. Just, oh, they're a Patriots fan or whatever, right. you know. And uh, it just gives you a little tip. And then the next time you see something that sticks out, like, I don't know. My parents always say that I'm a good gift giver, but I just pay attention. And then when I see something, I don't actually ever go looking for gifts. I just, when I see it out in the wild, I'm like, sure. that person would like that. And I sure. buy it. And then all of a sudden, I'm a good gift giver. It's really just making a connection between something you see and something that you know somebody else would like. Right. But it's making that connection. Yeah. It takes effort. I mean, it may not take a ton of effort. It may just kind of enter your brain, but that person knows for that minute you had to be thinking about it. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't just uh, you <laughs> know, you're going in blind. Like, you put some kind of thought into it, and, and I think it makes a difference, you know. And the other thing he talks about, and I think he's 100% right on, um, is the fact that we went off on this riff the other day, and I'm sure we've done it multiple times, about how, you know, our grandparents are actually more adept social media in a way than we are because they invented it and his whole thing is going back to when you know the butcher knew the name of your family and you went to your restaurant and they knew that your kid had just graduated that day or whatever and you know now his point is we have these amazing platforms 
to form more of those type of relationships. But what we're doing is we're not using them properly and we're getting further away from each other when really we need to be doing those same old things we've done for hundreds of years. Like human beings haven't changed in our needs really or the way we want to connect. We've only changed the platforms on how we connect, but we're not using them in a way to form that meaningful connection. And I think that's his whole game. It's like, you know, I'm not, Facebook and Twitter are nothing if you're not using them to develop the connection that we were developing 50 years ago. Yeah. It's just the great thing about them is before you could only develop that connection with people in your town or people in your community. Now you can develop that same connection with people anywhere in the world. You've opened up the door to making that same connection with a thousand people if you want. But Damn. people are being way too surfacey with it. Yeah. And so they're not getting even a deep, meaningful, meaningful connection with one person. Right. You know? And so it's like, hey, you have this amazing gift that you're using all wrong. And when I heard that, I was like, he's absolutely right. And I think, I know in our business, at least for me, I mean, I'll just speak for myself, but I can promise you I've looked around and not many people in our business have figured it out either. And, and I don't even think it's just us. I think it's a lot of businesses. You know, it's sort of like Facebook and the internet and Twitter. We have this amazing tool, but how do we use it? Yeah. And nobody's really figured out how to use it, except for maybe Gary. Yeah. You know, I think he's on to something. And I think we all know there's power there, but nobody's been able to put their finger on it. Um, I mean, you look at our business. like it, It's just now you're starting to see some decent websites or some Fair. kind of customer interaction on like a social media platform. And it's not just our fault. Um, it's hard. Our customers have been slow to adopt it also. And if, our, if your customer's not going to adopt it, then you're not going to waste time on it. Busy, that know. that's a big part of it. I think uh, the customer, our customer base is not just one demographic. It is still in the I'd say eighteen to seventy range, and that's a, sure. that's a huge net to cast in terms of uh, capturing the technology. But uh, yeah, you made some really good points there. You know, I just I just got back from Ireland, and one of the experiences that stands out was we went to a butcher, and he was asking about my grandparents because we were staying at my grandparents' mm-hmm. cottage, and he knew who they were, he knew who we were just by proxy and it was like this it felt very like old timey like we stepped in the time machine and he was just like back there there's just this one guy in an apartment basically chopping up meat it's kind of weird but uh yeah i mean that kind of like and they they don't even go there for like except for like six months every other six months you know and so they he's just got this memory of his set a number of people and we just happen to be in it and so he's able to relate to us and and, And i bet you thought that was yeah, yeah, I remember it. Yeah. yeah, of course. You're telling me about it right now. Yeah. Like, I mean, so you think that, are you familiar with Dunbar's number of 150 people is like your tribe? And, yes. And like, yes. like that's the number of people that you can kind of keep in your head. Do you think that's going to have to evolve with the technology as it grows? Or do you think it's going to be the same and we're just going to have to make technology integrate into that? That's an excellent question. Um, I haven't given any thought. I just thought of it right now. So. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's, let's hash it out. Let's you know? work it out. Um, yeah. It's probably a little bit of both, I guess. I mean, I don't, I don't see us evolving. I mean, evolution is slow, right? I mean, as much as we think the world is changing so rapidly, and yeah. from a technological standpoint, right now we're living this moment where it kind of is, although uh, sort of harking back to what we were talking about a second ago, I think a lot of it is kind of surfacy. Um, I think there's a lot of like kind of neat things that you can't really do much with. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, they're cool. Uh, but it, you know, are you talking about the bunny snap filters and stuff like that? Right. Those like, are cool. Well, what does awesome. that do for like, you? Yeah, yeah. It, like, it helps you waste a half hour. You know? Right. Like, right. And maybe one day that'll evolve into something amazing that saves humanity. But for now it's just a time waster. It's a 
time suck, you know? And so, yeah, we're getting all these cool things, but what are we doing with them? And what are they for? So I sort of think that, like, if you go back to Dunbar's Law with these 150 people, like, maybe over the next 20, 25 years, and obviously it's my opinion, and neither one of us have put any thought into it, we're just footballing, <laughs> but, you know, maybe, maybe our brain evolves to 170 people. Right. And now maybe we can do 170, but I think I think what's going to happen more is it's just going to be your 150 people are going to sub out more. Like yeah. it's a very mobile economy. Right. I mean, I grew up in North Carolina, and now I'm down in Miami. You know, and so you know, I've probably I've knocked off a few of my 150 and I've had to <laughs> add some, right? And so, and I think that's going to happen a few times over. Um, so you kind of divide up those people into like percentages like uh, yeah I, I can see where you could expand that out but at the same time you might get to know people better than you ever could have because you're going to see details sure. that that they're going to post that hey, before you really had to sit down and ask them like you know what kind of music do you like and you know what, what events have you been to and I, right. I don't need to ask you that anymore you just go on facebook right. and look up where you were in last year you know um I, I do think it's imperative i mean while we're talking about this that i you know we need to figure it out i mean as an industry or as for, for, as for sure or even just me and you in this yeah, industry yeah. um i've been trying i've set up uh groups on facebook uh the get wired podcast has its own facebook group sign up guys uh and then we i also created an electricians of vero beach group mm-hmm. uh you know it's just so much maintenance you know and it's I, a lot of maintenance um i follow some professional ones like impact theory league and right. just take notes on what they do and their schedule like mondays they do this and you know just to keep the conversation going and i've, I've been a member since they had 90 members now there's over a thousand sure um well and you're doing more than anyone i know in our industry for sure and it's not enough. It's not enough. It's, and not it's, enough. it's also like, at what point uh, do we jump the shark? Like, at what point are we hiring someone to do this? Or I think we're already at the point where we could definitely pay like an intern or like you know, Allie and Fort Myers, right? Yeah. Someone like that, or you know, maybe you're constantly cycling them out. It's a you know, it's a good way for a college kid to get experience. They're they're updating the, the sites. I do think you need to have more of a targeted plan, like we were talking about earlier, like the stuff Gary Vee talks about. I think it needs to be more than like, okay, we will send a post out on Facebook every day right. so your account <laughs> looks active. Um, I think, especially from a customer standpoint, you need to have a plan. You need to have a target. You don't don't be on social media just to be on social media because you feel like everybody else is. Like, have a plan. It's got to add value. Um, that, that plan works, I think, a little bit for... Uh, getting employees you know yeah. I mean, the new generation like young nick over there that, that wrote up with me like they're checking out these companies on on social media on the internet before they come here and so yeah you need to look like you're active you need to look like you have something going on um that's a luxury i definitely did not have even just uh, in 2009 i was no. looking for stuff on cd for and sure. there might have been a few maybe a couple glassdoor entries Definitely no Facebook. I don't even think they had LinkedIn back then uh, as far as CD on LinkedIn. I mean, it was tough. I mean, it was basically just uh, I met three people from the company, and I was like, right. do I like these three people? Right. Yeah, I was very fortunate. I mean, going back to kind of how I fell in the business, you know, I had a good friend that worked for CD and was had gone through the management training program <clears throat> and done a startup. 
and I had no idea that I even applied to work at the same company he worked for. <laughs> like, uh, you know, when I got through, I took this horrible call center job um, with my broken arm. I couldn't bartend, still had to pay the rent. And so I go to this this awful job. It was uh, everything you think about in a call center. You're sitting in your little cubicle. There's 60 people in this room and you're on the phone constantly. And it wasn't like a, a telemarketing. It wasn't that bad, but it was... What we had to do was set up, we call them routes, right? And so, like when uh, somebody is in a court case and medical records get subpoenaed, yeah, like, somebody has to set up uh, someone to go and pick these things up. Like there's a logistical aspect to this, like a messenger boy, or... sort of. Yeah. Except we were the people like just trying to get the routes set, right? Okay. And and these places all have gatekeepers, like we all do. Yeah. And so it was like a battle, even though you had like a subpoena kind of behind you, it was still sort of like this, you know, verbal ninjing you had to do to, to yeah. get through these people and to get these routes set up. And so you're just making like hundreds of calls a day, and it was just kill yourself <laughs> i mean i did meet my wife there she was also kind of landed there for a brief period of time and so i can't say it was all bad it was uh I mean, so she's, she's amazing so that, that was pretty awesome that's, but, uh, that's two things you've turned uh what most people would consider to be very negative things into, into life-changing experiences <laughs> the broken arm leads you, leads you down a different path and then uh, this terrible uh, job is, is where you met your wife i did i did we, we both quit it very quickly as soon as my arm healed I was ready for anything. I would have done anything to get out of there. And I'm looking through the one ads, and I'm, I'm I know in my head it's like I'm eventually going to pick a career. Like you know, I'm, I'm like 25, 24, 25. I'm like okay, yeah. you know, I guess I'm probably going to teach or something. You know, my heart wasn't super in it, um, but I just figured that's sort of what I was going to have to do. All right. And so I see an ad. It was a, a CD in Asheville, and they were looking for a counter guy. And I had no idea what CD was. I just saw that it was like Monday to Friday. <laughs> seven to four and i was like oh that's cool i'll do that to pay the bills well i think about what i'm really gonna do right right and so i send in this application to be a counter guy knowing nothing i don't even know what the company does i have no <laughs> clue what they do because again I don't we don't really <laughs> we don't really blast that out there and not just yeah. us but nobody in this industry it's a very hidden multi-billion dollar industry oh yeah like, i don't understand how it hides in plain sight all the time but it does and so i i send my application in manager at the time saw that I, I had a degree and that I went to the same college as my buddy I'm telling you about that he was very close to. Yeah. It was his trainee. And so he called him up like, do you know this guy? And my buddy was so taken aback. It was so random because we know each other very well. And he was just like, why are you asking me this? Like, how do you know him? You know? And he's like, we just applied to work. And he's like, what? And so, you know, then uh, 10 seconds later, I'm getting a call from him like, why are you applying to work at my company? And I was like, what do you mean? Did you ask me? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that's what you did. I mean, because if you're not in this business, you know, like I, I knew that 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 John did something with the electrical something or pie, but you know, nobody knows. It is we weird. Do. Like I don't know what my friends do outside of this industry, and most of them think that I work for the CIA or something. Like, right. <laughs> Because they don't really know what I do when I explain it. They're just like, okay, yeah, whatever. Like, I'll, they're definitely not listening. It's hard to explain. And it's yeah. certainly hard to explain in a way that really captures how fun it can be if, if you're taking advantage of it. You know, it's almost impossible. Like, you almost have to just follow somebody around for a while. I mean, I just tell people, like, okay, well, you know, like, the electrical aisle of Home Depot, you know. Yeah. 
I have a whole store full of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's just the easiest thing for me to do. And like, you can I, do whatever you want with it. Right. <laughs> you just, you really can't, it's really difficult. Uh, and we face this battle when we're, we are recruiting. Um, it, it's, it's tough to, to really capture the essence of, of what a great opportunity we have to offer. And I feel like, I mean, I'm a convert. I am not mechanically minded. It, yeah. It's still, there's still some days I wake up and I've had quite a bit of success in this business. And I, there are days I'm like, I'm a total fraud. When are they going to find out that I have no idea what I'm doing? You know, I definitely have those moments when it's like, I can't believe this is what I do. I think that's I, called uh, imposter syndrome. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I go through that all the time. It's like, when are they going to figure this out? Well, <laughs> you know? Totally. I, this, I just didn't see myself in this business. But what I have learned, I, you know, it's been 12 years now. Damn. And I think I would have learned it. In, in any business, you know, nobody's good at everything, right? And so find what are you good at. Right. And, and I think, you know, some of the things that I feel like I'm good at, that I would like to say I'm good at, are, you know, I, I'm, I'm very patient. Um, I think that helps me be a good manager. That helps um, a lot. I am I'm good at connecting people, you know. I've always been a connector. I've always been that guy, like, in high school that was – I was on the football team, but I hung out with the band too, and I also yeah. could play Dungeons and Dragons. With those guys, like, I'm just like a chameleon that way, and I always have been. I've always just gotten along with people really easily, and it's genuine. It's not something I'm trying to do. I just, right. with me, you sort of get the benefit of the doubt until you prove me wrong. Like, I just assume everybody's cool and until proven otherwise, and I, I just live my life like that. And so I've always dipped in and out of different worlds, which kind of helps in what we. That's, um, that's funny, man. I was the same way. There was this group of kids that played basketball every day at lunch. Same 12 kids who play basketball. And some days, like Mondays, I'd just be like, oh, I'm just going to go play basketball. And the next day, oh, what are these cool kids doing over here? I'm going to go do that. And then just keep bouncing around. You know? so, I mean, you know, I definitely had close friends or whatever. But I, I certainly, I jumped groups in a way that I didn't see any or many other people do. And I've just always been that way. And so that sort of helps me, um, you know. We're the middle guys. You know, we yeah. have these manufacturers and vendor reps, and they have a product that our customers or owners of businesses need. And so our job is to connect these two things together. And so that type of skill has proven to help me very well. You know, I sort of know, like, ooh, this, this vendor rep would really get along with this customer. Like, yeah. I, I've always, you know, I always do that. Yeah. And I, I'm the kind of guy that if I'm in a room and there's 15 people in the room, like we're at a little house party or whatever – and there's two people in the corner that just aren't getting along, I'm uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> like, I have to make them get along. I have to do something about yeah. it. You know, that's just sort of my personality. It's annoying. It's annoying to people sometimes, but I can't I, I can't be comfortable with everybody's having a good time, you know. Were you ever on like student body or student government or anything not like that? Really. No. Like elementary school or whatever, but yeah. no, I mean I, I, I played sports, that was my thing. Um and so I took up a lot of time and that's what I was into. What do you, what would you say are some of your greatest failures? Like some of the things that you've you've done in this business where you're just like, man, that was so stupid, or that just flat out didn't work, or <laughs> I wish I could have that one back. <clears throat> man, um, I mean that's a long list. I, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I do try to ha- I, I try not to have very many regrets. Uh, that's a big Gary Vee thing, although that's something that I didn't get from him. I you know. Regrets are, you never know how it would have worked out the other way. We're not given the opportunity to walk down both paths. And so, like we just talked about a second ago, like I thought 
breaking my arm was just catastrophic and I end up meeting my wife and now we've got two little girls and have this beautiful family and like yeah so you don't know you don't know what's going to happen it, you know, sometimes it seems like the most horrible thing can lead you down this crazy road i mean out of that broken arm i have a wife and two kids and a career <laughs> like none of this stuff would have happened had i not gotten this stupid drunken wrestling match with my friends at three in the morning i mean it's insane you know and so yeah, you can't connect the dogs looking forward, you know. You no, nah, it, it's good and bad. And so I really just try and, and move on. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've made a million mistakes. I've probably made 10 today. You know, I, <laughs> you think it's like being a quarterback? Like, you gotta you got to be pretty forgetful of your interceptions? 1,000%. Yeah. you, you got to forget that interception as soon as it happened. you yeah. got to go back out there, especially in management, especially if you want to grow something or you want to think big. You have to have that just like a quarterback does because, you don't believe it. Your employees aren't going to believe it. Yeah. If you sit there and think and just focus on this horrible mistake you made, and you get yourself all depressed, and oh my gosh, they're following your lead. You know, they're going to be the same way, and they're going to be like, "Wow, you do make a lot of mistakes." You know, or you can be like, oh, "That was a terrible mistake." So uh, chalk that one up. So let's, yeah, what's uh, let's next? Move on. Yeah. You know? Um, it, you have to do it that way. You have to. I think I, I couldn't. I mean, I would just be. Uh, crying huddled mess on the floor if I thought about all the stuff that I've done wrong in this business I mean it's a million things you know? yeah that's how you learn too right I mean that's Absolutely. I think uh, that's one of the main things that I, I like about the CED training program is that they really let uh, young individuals come into it and two and a half years is not enough time to, to learn what they need to learn mm -hmm. and then they just kind of throw them the keys to a store and say Good luck. Don't yeah. burn it down. Knock yourself out. Yeah. yeah, and so that they know they know that failure is a huge part of this, right? And they totally. know that it's going to happen every single day. You're going to lose employees. You're yeah. going to lose customers. You're going to going to lose. You could lose everything, really. I mean, you could do, make a mistake that destroys the whole business. But For like, sure. how do you handle it? Yeah. How you do know? you rebuild it? How do you? I mean, I've made so many. I mean, I'm trying really. I'm searching hard for a great example right now, but. I mean, I've made colossal bad hires, you know, I fancy myself as this person, like I just said, oh, I'm good at connecting people, I'm good at reading people, at reading people and yeah. finding the right fit, so if I come into a place and this guy's an inside sales, well, I can see, like, oh no, he's a born outside salesman, he's in the wrong position, and, and right. more often than not, I'll give myself some credit. I am pretty good at that. Yeah. But I'm not batting a thousand. <laughs> I've made some like some really bad calls. And you only have so much control over other people's right. lives. You know, at some point you were giving them opportunities and like, hey, whatever you do with this is up to you, man. For sure. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about your hiring strategy. Do you um, do you have a specific strategy you, you go into it with or are you always trying to look months ahead or? Um, well, you know, if we're going to be completely honest, I don't think I'm very good at it. Let's be completely honest. I, I it is one. It's one of the weak parts of my game that I'm I'm trying to step up. You know, I'll find myself in an interview because I am a connector and people pleaser to a degree. I'll be 15 minutes into a 30 minute interview and realize that I'm selling the interviewee yeah. on our company more than they're selling me on themselves. And it's like, I wait do that a, a second, lot. this is backwards. Like, yeah. I'm trying to convince you that this is a good opportunity. I know it is. What is, you uh, need to convince me that I should bring you into this awesome, amazing opportunity. I, I have it completely reversed. You know? What is it that Craig says at the meetings? He says, like, talk 15% of the time and let them talk 85%. For sure. And I probably have that completely reversed. I mean, I'm just an abomination. When's the last time you've been on the other side of an interview table, though? 12 it's years? It's been a long time. Yeah. Do you even have a resume? I, mean, I, I, haven't, I don't have a resume. I mean, I have one. I, whatever. I 
haven't updated it in a long time. Yeah. You know? um, Somebody said that that, I can't remember which podcast I was listening to because I listened to a ton of just business life podcasts. Maybe it's a Tim Ferriss thing. Um, but he was saying, even if you are totally happy in your job, go interview for other jobs just to see, not, not, not to see what else is out there, but to see how people are interviewing out there for different positions in different industries. Right. And then taking, incorporating that, like, basically wasting their time, honestly, because you're not going to accept the job either way. Or maybe, maybe you will. You never know. They're going to offer you. No, you're not. If I'm boss. <laughs> you're definitely not. Yeah. But uh, I, I think the point is, like, to get out there and just experience it from, to put yourself on the other side of it to, to say, like, oh, maybe I, maybe, does everybody talk this much in interviews? Like, I don't know. Because I've been in that situation where you're talking to a guy and he doesn't seem like he wants to be there. And you're like, I can get this guy excited about this. <laughs> right. I can make this happen. Well, that's in our personality. And it's one of the reasons that we were hired to do this job is, you Just know, we're coaches, right? Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. not, it's a very good parallel for what we do. Yeah. You know, we're trying to put this team together to beat the other teams and we're trying to pump these people up. And that doesn't, that switch doesn't turn off when you're in an interview. Right. So if I see somebody and I see them a little bit, I'll find myself like underselling the, the, maybe, I don't know the bad parts or like the not exciting parts and overselling the good stuff and right. I shouldn't be selling anything and I I'm so bad at it and fortunately <laughs> at least you're honest oh I'm terrible at it you know I'm my gut I guess has helped me out more than anything I've certainly whiffed on some but it's sort of like baseball like I mean I'm batting over 300 I mean if 300 gets you in the Hall of Fame like yeah. I'm doing well above that <laughs> from a hiring perspective but. Some of the bad ones have almost ended me, you know, so it's like, yeah. I definitely trust my gut. And I mean, if I have advice, it's just if you, it's another thing I'm also working on. If you make the wrong decision, if you have a failure, fail fast, Yeah, just fail fast. And, <laughs> and that, learn. that's something else I don't do well because a little bit of it's my ego. Uh, you know, I think I'm a great coach. I think I'm a great motivator. I think I can fix anything. Yeah. I, I believe that. I do too. And so Absolutely. if I have a, an employee, it's really hard to, number one, think that you made a bad decision. you got to look in the mirror and be like, that's on me. I've made yeah. a bad decision. Yeah. I can do that. It takes me a little bit. But then my second reaction after I admit that it was a bad decision is, well, I can fix it. <laughs> so whatever this person's doing, you know, they're doing this, 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 and this wrong. I'm going to hit every one of those. I'm going to mold this person into an amazing employee. Five years from now, they're going to be the top salesman in the company. Like, that's my thought process. Yeah. And that usually doesn't work. Yeah. I, it it sounds almost too negative. I don't like being negative, but it is hard to change people. It is very difficult, especially if they're not part of that process. If, yeah. if they don't think they need to be changed, then it's impossible. If the boat left, left the harbor and they're sitting For on the pier. Sure. <laughs> if, if they are all in, if they're like very receptive, like, you know what, I do need to change, then I'm yeah. all in. I'm helping you. We're going to do it. But normally that's not the case normally right. it's you trying to change them and that's just a recipe for disaster it's not going to work and so unfortunately you have to cut bait very quickly or it's going to drag down your entire organization and again you know unless you're just a monster that's very hard right. you know because you gave this person this opportunity and they may or may not have a family even if they don't have a family it's their income i mean you know, losing your job is very traumatic. And so I take that very seriously. When I come to that termination, like, okay, well, I, this is the only way out I see. I can't let this poison my entire team and what we're building. It's not fair to your other team members. Yeah. This person has to go. 
that is hard, man. I mean, that is the hardest part of what I do is is making that decision. It's awful. I hate it every single time. I hate it if even if the person super deserves it. I mean, unless they just blatantly stole something right in front of me right. or punched me in the face or something. Right. Like, outside of these extreme examples, which don't happen, then it's hard. It is so hard. When you're letting somebody go and you're doing it because they just... They weren't what you thought they were. They're not a bad person. They're not whatever, but they're just not a good fit. Or even if they got a slightly bad attitude, it's just it's not easy. Yeah. It is. You try to do the whole, like, write them up three times thing. Right. And Which, that just, again, bad at that. Bad. Yeah. I, I, I bring the paperwork. It's all filled out to the meeting, get all the way through it. And I'm like, I just didn't bring out that paperwork. Like, we just try to coach them through it, and yep. you, you don't want to have that. I don't know. It's not even, like, a confrontation thing. It's definitely not that. It's just, like... Like, you brought them to the table, you brought them to the dance, and you want to make sure they make it all the way through, you know? you know, and part of it is a confrontation thing. Like, I hate to bring up Gary Vee again, but he's on my mind. No, let's talk about him. I've been in a deep dive. I hope he's listening. (laughs) (laughs) I I was listening to, uh, like, a QA and a forum that he was doing with, um, what was the GE guy, Jack? Welsh? Jack Welsh. Yeah. It was Jack Welsh and Gary Vee. They're doing like this. I didn't hear this one. This Q and A. I think it's within the last couple of weeks. And Jack Welsh was saying, and this is something that we've heard before here with CED. I know Butch is a big proponent of it, but your employees should always know where they stand with you. Yeah. And if they don't, you're doing a bad job as a manager. That's a good point. I do a bad job of that consistently. Yeah. For many reasons. Number one. Who wants to? It's a bummer, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> you're you're having a good day, or the month's going well, yeah. and, and you know you need to talk to this person about these ten things they're doing wrong, or they have a horrible attitude, or you, you're trying to schedule. You it. are deciding yeah. to have an uncomfortable experience, right? You right. have to decide that. You have to say, "I'm going to be uncomfortable for the next hour," and, and, and put they put it on the schedule. You know, like block off this yeah. hour for it, and, and that is the easiest thing in the world to put off. You yeah. can come up with like 10 other things you have to, well, okay, I'll do it, but this quote needs to come in. Yeah. Well, let me knock this out. And the whole time you're just you're putting off the inevitable, you know. That's one reason um, that we do it. Where is it? We're, oh, we're yeah, bad. Was. Yeah, uh, we didn't even flip it over. No, 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 it's not for this. It's uh, it's actually for a, uh, we're talking about an hourglass that's on the uh, table here for those who are just listening. Because there is no Facebook Live. So you're only listening, except Nick. Uh <laughs> But there's an hourglass on the table up here in the conference room, and uh, it's for one-on-one meetings with employees that I do. Wow. I try to do every Thursday on a rotating basis, yeah. so it takes seven weeks to go through everybody. Take you probably a lot longer. It'll take a while, but I've, I've been thinking about that because I haven't done a great job at that. Now I do some lunches, or you know, like Nick just rode up with me on the car right here. We got a couple hours. We're gonna get a couple hours back. Yeah, it's great. People love it. People love it. You, you find out a lot about them. They get to air out a lot of things. And mm-hmm. some things, obviously, like, you know, they talk about raises and promotions, which is all good. You want to have those conversations, too. Everybody's in it for the progress and the advancement of their careers. Uh, but what I've found is that I've gone over at least almost double every single time. So this really? this might as well not be here dripping sand out of it because we just keep talking. Now, is that a true hourglass? This is one hour. It literally takes one hour for yeah. the sand to get I haven't I haven't put a stopwatch to it, but that's what I. So you're saying you're hitting for. you're hitting the two hour mark. Yeah, we don't flip it back over. We both just stare at it in the empty or the hour over phase long afterwards and just keep talking because it, people really like. I guess the first round I've only done it once. I did two. Mm-hmm. Actually, I did one time. I did three in a week just because I wanted to get through everybody, and um, 
and now I'm just doing one a week, but just the process, I guess they just really wanted, they had so much to talk about, so much pent up stuff there. And it wasn't like pent up as an angry, it's just like they wanted, they wanted that one on one time with me to discuss where they were at. And so I, I agree a hundred percent with, with Jack, with Gary and with what you're saying that people really want that, you know, where do I stand in this company? Sure. What's going on? Where are we going? Well, and they deserve it. And yeah. if they're doing bad, especially if you're to the point where you're thinking about letting them go, they Should, need to know. Shouldn't be a surprise. They need this. Should never be yeah. a surprise. And I've had a couple of those. Um and it feels terrible. Yeah. It feels terrible. Yeah, have you ever had anybody leave that was unexpected that was like a good employee and that you thought like yes. like oh no, the walls are caving only, in? Only actually only once. And it was very recent. Um, yeah, I think I've only let me make sure before I say this, but I'm pretty sure in the 12 years I've only lost one employee that I didn't want to lose. I've had others leave um, where I was like, "Great, you know? yeah," or like, um, "Oh well, <laughs> yeah, 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 you saved me a, a horrible conversation." Right. Um, I've had uh, I've had some where you know maybe got a few light suggestions that hey we're going down a weird path here um yeah you know when you're actually doing your job and you're kind of letting them know where they stand and, and they end up they don't wait for it they take another position somewhere i've had that happen but yeah i've only had i've only lost one employee that i was it really it really caught me off guard big time um number one because it's it's never happened before it was someone that i was sure was in my camp right and i was so unprepared for it um, it happened on a weekend. I got the call on a weekend. Yikes. This person was fairly new, and uh, it was kind of odd for them to call me on the weekend anyway. I was like, oh, this is weird. And Something's up. Like, yeah. You know, and they had um, some good reasons, and I believe them. You know, we don't need to go into it or anything. No, but it, it was definitely, I understood why. And it wasn't anything negative with us. It was more of like a logistics location sure. kind of deal. And it was something like, I mean, I can't move my building you know, right. closer to their house and they had some uh, new developments in their life and a lot closer situation and that's what it was but that one that that's tough yeah because it's so hard this person was i was excited about this person uh, i was excited to hire them i was excited about the direction they were gonna go i had big plans for them yeah and you know how hard it is to find that person and onboard that person oh, <laughs> and so and you get them and then to have them leave it, it hurts. Yeah, you know, it hurts. That but hurts. but going back to like your whole theme of of turning what most people would see as negatives into positives, like mm -hmm. and just recognizing that you know the only constant in life is change, and that you know eventually everyone that you know is going to stop working for CED, including you at some point, right? Sure. Through one way or another, and just being able to kind of see through. That. I think that's a strong message to give to, especially younger managers or people coming up into the industry, or really anybody that's going to be managing people, recognizing that. Anything could change at any given moment. Oh yeah! And guess what? The store is still going to open tomorrow. Right, you know? <laughs> it better. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that was something that happened to me with uh, with an employee that handed me a, a very large PO. And we don't go into dollars and cents on the show, but a very large PO and his letter of resignation at the same time. And I literally sat there and tried to put the two together with my hands. And I looked at him. I was like, these don't go together, man. Right. <laughs> that's that's strange. Yeah, because he'd been working on it for six months. And, well, I will and, say, though, I wish every person that resigned gave me a large <laughs> It was like a reverse severance package. <laughs> it was really strange. But obviously, he just had enough and uh, that he didn't want to go through the actual steps of turning the PO into fruition. And you, you move on to something else. 
And uh, at the time, I was devastated. And looking back now, it was one of the better things that ever happened uh, because, you know, how do you take the what, what could be a negative and turn into a positive? How do you make the worst day into the best day? And right. and that's kind of what life is all about. It's not really so much about what happens to you. About It's more about what, how you handle what happens to you and how you move forward. Absolutely. And that translates across every industry, you know, and, and especially in ours. And, you know, it just kind of hit me. I know we're jumping all over the place. But oh, let's do it. While we're on the subject of employees... I've had two situations recently where I sort of, you know, we're, we're constantly mapping out the future, right? We're constantly sure. trying to figure out how to grow our business and thinking of these, you know, positions that we need and that we're going to create and who can I find for this? And I'm out here searching for this person. And twice recently, that person has been in my building. And it's just sort <laughs> of had to be a moment of inspiration. Yeah. Like when I wasn't even thinking about it. Just sort of hit me like, wait a second. This person I already have is I know this perfect guy. for this position. Yeah, I just need to put them there. And I think that's a big thing. Um, I think a lot of times we're out there looking because hiring is hard. Yeah, and we do need to grow, and it takes a lot of effort. And like we talked about earlier, we don't get a lot of training. I don't know if anybody does in that process, and so. You know, we spend a lot of time on that and where are we going to find these people? And it just takes up a huge portion of your brain. But don't do that at the expense of your current staff. You may have some of those people there already. That want to grow. Your brain will trick you because you already have them slotted into the positions they're in now. And yeah. so you sort of cross them off accidentally. It's yeah. just you don't think about it. You're not thinking, well, he does this or she does that. They're they're gone yeah. in your mind, you know. And Twice, two times in the last two months for two very important positions for me, for what I want, for how I want to build our future, the person's in the building. Yeah. And I just need to replace them now, which is a much easier replacement than what I had in mind anyway. It's a much... That's amazing. Not that I'm not saying I'm going to lower the standards, but it's a much easier fill-in. You know, it's a much easier... You could find someone and start here than, than the position I had in mind that I was looking for. And then so, everybody kind of moves up, you know, for sure. that's, that's, um, do you bring the trainees in on any of the interviewing and hiring process part of it or? Um, yeah, I think, I think Nick has set in with me on a few interviews. Um, that's, that's very important. I don't, I didn't see any of that. It was I, when I was a trainee. I wish I had. Yeah. I don't think I did either. Um, you know, fortunately and unfortunately, I guess, um, when it comes to developing, uh, your muscle for this kind of thing. Yeah. We're not like the restaurant business. I mean, we don't have a ton of turnover. You know, we're a good company. We take care of our people. Uh, so a lot of times when people leave this company, it, it's often because the manager wants them to or they're not working out. Um, sometimes right. you get surprised or whatever. But, you know, we, we don't have – I don't have to deal with it a ton. You know, I'm in a bigger market now. We're trying to grow. So I'm, I'm definitely – in a hiring mode like I've never been in before. That's good. Um, yeah, yeah. For the, exper- <laughs> the experience practice. of, a, yeah, good, good practice. practice, yeah. Um, but I still feel very, you know, inadequate with it, which is fine. But I, I'm, I'm used to that. I, I, it's uncomfortable, but I like the discomfort. Right. Bit, you know? Well, you mentioned that you listened to uh, Impact Theory, Tom Billy's uh, production company and, yes. and, and the podcast, which is all about, uh, inspiring people to switch from a fixed growth, a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. And uh, is that something, we have a short episode on that coming up, so I don't want to go too far into sure. it, except 
the, the idea being that a fixed mindset, people believe they only have so many skills and they have to find a job that meets that limit of skills, whereas a growth mindset, they recognize that you can do anything you want as long as you keep acquiring skills throughout your life. Absolutely. Is that something you, you are actively looking for in the interview process, or is that something that you just kind of have a gut feel for? Uh, I think I would be disingenuous to say I'm actively looking for it because I'm certainly – that's a great point, and that's something I want to take note of to actively look for. I think I look for that um, subconsciously. Yeah. You know, I, I certainly think I gravitate – Toward people when I can find them that have that mindset. I very much believe in that mindset. I think I'm one of those people that doesn't think you can multitask. I don't think you can be in two modes at once. Yep. I used to listen to Adam Carolla a lot, and he would always say you're either in make make opinion mode or save opinion mode. You can't <laughs> be in both at the same time. Right. Um, and I feel like I came from a background that was very much save a penny mode uh, you know my, my family worked hard um, hard working people and you know okay jobs uh, but just kind of scratching by you know western North Carolina yeah um, but it was always you know how do we make it on this amount of money here's what we make right how do we get by you know what do we need to do, do we need to chop down our own firewood and we need to you know when I was a kid, we ran the phone line from like my grandfather's house, who was sort of next door, over to our house, like manually ourselves, so we didn't have to pay the whatever it was back then. It couldn't have been that much money. It was $15 a month for right. our phone line, so we just shared one. It was like, which is great. I mean, I'm not dogging it out. You certainly need to be cost conscious and stuff like that, but it was never, it was always how do we live on this, like not what. What can we do to have to make more? Right. Um, and I'm a firm believer that it's one or the other. And, and, and I'm, you can shift back and forth maybe at different times of your life, but I just don't think you can be in both modes at the same time. Yeah. It doesn't mean people take it out of context and, oh, I'm just going to make more and spend whatever. It's, it's not what we're talking about. Yeah. But it's, it's sort of the, the farmer-hunter scenario. Are you just tending your crops or are you going out looking for something? Right. Um, are you protecting what you have versus yes. taking risks to go out there and, and, and like hunters put themselves in danger to go yes. get food, whereas farmers are tend to be more safe I, and I am stable? Definitely on the risk taking side. Um, I can never just be a farmer. It's it's so funny because Nick and I were just talking about that on the ride up. That came up, um, just different types of management strategies, and um, yeah, we just we just had this exact conversation. Um, and I certainly think in our business. You need you need those hunters, you know. You got to go out there and get it. You know, the businesses can always come to you. We got a lot of competition, which another great thing about this business. I'm competitive. I yeah. I love the competition. It, it excites me. It gets me excited. Without uh, without being like negative about it, what do you think is is not good about this industry? Like, what could really use some improvement? What what sucks about this industry is basically the way out. Um. Honestly, I, I feel like, I sort of feel like we do. I, I, I think, <laughs> like you and I? <laughs> well, just, yeah. In, in general, I, mean, yeah. I think we're trying to turn it around, but yeah. we don't sell it enough. Right. We don't um, put it out there for how great this business is. Um, you know, it, it can be a tough business. Absolutely. I mean, you're in the construction world. You know, there's tight deadlines. 
big egos roughneck construction workers screaming at each other on the job sites all the time there's people under a lot of pressure millions of dollars millions of dollars and, and that pressure is filtering downhill and you're, <laughs> gonna, you're gonna feel the brunt of some of that yeah no question but yeah. everybody has tough days stockbrokers have tough days people that work for kpmg have tough days they feel the pressure they get yelled at it might be a guy in a suit instead of a guy with a hammer that's yelling at him but it feels the same right and you know these these positions, the the accounting firms and the banks and Wall Street, they have these this glorified presence in people's minds, and we see it when we go to the career fair. Yeah, and the lines of people waiting, oh my waiting gosh. to go up there. You know, and yeah, some of those people make a lot of money, and some of those people wear a suit to work, and I get it, but there are people in our industry that make a lot more money than most of those people do, and there are people in our industry that one hundred percent have way more freedom and way more work-life balance oh, yeah. than people in that industry do. Like We have a fantastic product to sell, but we bog it down in the details and, and in the boring stuff or in the stuff that's hard. Yeah, we got warehouses. And yeah, they're hot. You know, it's hot And you're going to spend a little bit of time in them. Yeah. It doesn't have to be bad. I mean, if you're somebody like me, I will go. it's therapeutic for me. If I get really stressed <laughs> out or if I'm like, I've just had it, yeah. I'll change clothes. I'll go in the warehouse for like two hours and just stock stuff or you know, sweat it out. Sweat it out. Like I like that. But again, that's the chameleon mentality. Like I like having a foot in both of those worlds. I like the fact that I can wake up in the morning and I may get called out to a construction site and I've got to deal with you know ten of these guys on the construction site that are very stereotypical construction site kind of guys. Yeah. And then, you know, that day at lunch, I may sit down with somebody that owns a multi-million dollar company and I'm trying to sell both of those people. I want those construction site guys to come to our place when they need the material. I want this guy that owns the multi-million dollar company to throw his business our way. And I have to be able, and so do you, and so does everybody in our business, we have to navigate both of those worlds. Yeah, And I love that because I feel a kinship with both of those people. Yeah, uh, Where I grew up, we were the guys in the construction side and where i want to go is the guy that owns the multi-million dollar company like i enjoy that it keeps it fresh it, it's never our business is not stale That's, unless if it's still then it's your fault well you just answered my question my next question which is what keeps you coming back and uh that is that is it i mean you just never know what you're gonna get you I, don't. I used to wear nice clothes and button down and nice pants and you know the the calf eye socks and good sure. shoes and now it's like you know, at any given moment, I could be back there cutting hundreds of feet yeah. of four-out copper and, and 500 MCM and throwing two-inch gal over my shoulder yeah. and bring it out to a truck, you know? And it's like, at any moment, my vehicle could be on a job site with nails in the tire. And For sure. You got you to gotta fix the tire there. And the yeah, guys will come yeah. over and help you, or they'll stand there and laugh at you while well, you do it. And I've been I've been on both sides of that, too. See, I'm a sellout, though. I'm going the other way. I'm in Miami now. So i, I got to step it up. Like the teal shirts and the... Well, like, yeah, Pete does Tie Tuesday. We do it. I think I'm going to do Suit Wednesday. Suit Wednesday. Yeah. Suit Saturdays. Why not, you know? I, I went to Men's Warehouse to get a, a suit for an upcoming wedding, and it, I got fleeced, man. Oh, my God. I spent a lot of money. Well, it's like... And now I feel like I need to wear this thing. Yeah. I'm just going to wear it. I swear, I swear to God, I'm wearing a suit to work at least it's not just good on you closet. yeah i mean yeah. at least at least keep it hanging up behind you so people know <laughs> right like a, I, I have one almost I have a almost like a like a certificate or a diploma you just have a suit <laughs> it's you. crazy i've known 
I've known um, trainees from, from back in the day when I was still a trainee that were already on board that saw some of the benefits and some of the fun stuff that we do that still left the company for less desirable opportunity for more prestigious names. Like, yeah. you know, people don't know who our name or a lot of our competitors' names. People know Home Depot. People know Lowe's. So that's sort of where that knowledge ends. They might know Graybar. Maybe. They might. Maybe. If there is one, they know it's that. Yeah. Unless it's a super small town and, and there's a Rex CD that they pass on the way to work. But even then, they probably just don't even notice it. Yeah. You know, I, I've seen people leave our company or not come to work for us to begin with to take a much worse job with somebody they've seen a commercial for. Yeah. And you just want to like grab them like, what are you doing? You know, this is a fantastic opportunity. Do you think that maybe they're not right for our company or do you think that's something that we need to do as a company to make it more, give it a little more sex appeal? Give it a little I, more... I put more, eh, that's a good question because my heart wants to just say that they're not right. I just want to write them off, you know? Yeah. So, oh, they can't hack it anyway. Go on, you know? Yeah. But we're not doing our part either. And it's hard. We have a difficult thing to sell because you don't want to oversell it. You don't want to tell people. You don't want to put us off as something that we're not. Right. But I just feel like we don't have to. What we are is great. Yeah. It's just people don't get it. I mean, I have fun. I have a lot of fun at work. Do I have bad days? I don't even, I wouldn't, it takes a lot for me to have a bad day. Yeah. I might have a bad couple of hours. I might have a bad afternoon, but <laughs> bad 15 minutes. we have so much freedom and flexibility to run our business. And, you know, I took over a place, but, you know, 90% or 80% of the people in that building I hired. So I better like being around them. I mean, right. To me, we have so much freedom and flexibility and autonomy that if, if I have an entire day that just sucks, that's just terrible, it's my fault. Absolutely. It's 100% my fault because I could at any time turn that around. I, look, I can handle getting yelled at. I can <laughs> handle getting screamed at. And again, it's a tough business. Yeah. You're going to have those days. These people, even some of your buddies, some of your customers that are your closest friends, yeah. they one day are going to be under this enormous strain and they're going to have 30 people yelling at them because this wall is not finished and it's your fault and they're going to come scream at you. It's going to happen. Oh yeah. And I used to, you know, I'm not super into conflict. I'm not afraid of it, but I avoid it. I'm a pacifist, you know, for the most part. And yeah. so I like how this industry has toughened me up a little bit and has kind of thickened my skin up a little bit. That stuff does not bother me. It doesn't bother me. I can take it all day long. Yeah. I'm like, I understand. I understand. How can we help? I'm constantly like, let's get to a solution. How can I help you? I know you're mad. You know, let's let's figure it out. I, I take those phone calls all the time, and I, I take them when I've when I've made this person mad. I take them when my salesman's made this person mad. Yeah. I take I take them when it's not even our fault, and they think it is. And I'm like, whatever, sure, it's our fault. What, how can we help you? you because keep... they're gonna they're gonna remember that you helped them. Yeah. Take... Ultimately, they're gonna remember that you got that person to stop yelling at them. Well, that's, that's how it's not personal. That's how I tell my guys, like, like, what's the ultimate goal? Like, is the, is the goal to have a pissing match with somebody and come out on top? Or is mm -hmm. the goal for the customer to be happy and for them to come back and buy more stuff? And so, like, I want to win, you know? Right. So I, I always want to win. And the, if the way for me to win is to is to let you yell as I put the phone down in the center console and keep driving on the highway, like, barely even listening, just hearing that the, somebody's yelling through the other end <laughs> right, of the phone. Right. 
and then every once in a while I pick up like oh I'm sorry to hear that you know and, and like you are genuinely sorry that this person's having a really terrible day over some, sure. something made of plastic that's you know sure. two inches big or whatever like it's always over the smallest possible things but then at the end of the day they can only yell for so long and they're going to remember that you didn't jump back down and throw it at them right. and try to get an, into an ego match and sure. um, we're there to help them. We're there to help them. And, and yeah. more importantly, when you're putting yourself in their, their spot, I know where it's coming from. Yeah. You know? And I don't want to give the impression to the people out there, if anyone's listening, that I don't get yelled at all the time. In fact, I don't get yelled at very much anymore. <laughs> it does happen. Occasionally, now. it will happen. I know we're talking about it a lot right now, but it really didn't happen that much. But no. I, I know where it comes from. Most people can't handle stress very well. Yeah. Um, most people... Aren't don't have a lot of good coping mechanisms. I mean, I'm, I'm a constant walking self help junkie to the point where it's almost detrimental because I consume too much information. Yeah, and eventually I'm one of those people that I'll read everything, but I'm not doing anything. You know, it's like <laughs> I'm just constantly getting new ideas. It's like, well, okay, it would be nice yeah. if you try to apply some of that. Yeah, you know, but a lot of people stress stress is a killer. You know, and so if I am getting yelled at, it's pretty easy for me to be like. I know where this is coming from. Yeah. This person's getting yelled at. The person yelling at me because I know that I wouldn't have done something to them on purpose. Right. Like it's not like I've done something and now I deserve to be yelled at. Yeah. I know it's automatically coming from outer space. Right. <laughs> there, there's no real reason for it other than they're stressed. They're under pressure. Like yeah. the construction business. I remember coming home and telling my wife one time that I'm amazed that there are any buildings. <laughs> I, when you are like intimately involved in this business and you see the process what and you see how number one even on a small project how many people are involved the city um, the city how insane the schedule is how many ways it can go wrong the money and does go yeah. wrong I mean we see it more specifically just from our point of view with the electrical products but there's plumbers and drywall guys and Stuff goes wrong at every turn, yeah. and all of these trades are interconnected. And you have one poor general contractor out there, like trying to to keep it all together, and the owner changing stuff left and right. That's got to be the hardest job. It's unbelievable that yeah. anything is ever completed. That's why they completed get paid correctly. So much. Yeah, I have a customer, one of my best customers that I, I really like working with. Um, things go wrong with with between me and him. All the time. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, I really like the guy, and I work really super hard for the guy, and things just, like, the ropes just don't meet sometimes. Sure. And his whole thing is just like, well, this just happens, Mike, and we're just, <laughs> we're just going to get through it, and it, eventually it'll be, the product will get here, and we'll sure. get back on the job. And, like, those are the kind of people that honestly are going to survive. Like, they're going to make it to yes. retirement age because they're yes. not going to have a heart attack or a stroke or whatever because you can't – there's only so much that you can control. Absolutely. Do you have any uh, any mindfulness practices, or I know you're a self-help junkie. But... I am, and you know, I, I do, and I'm still new, you know, I'm still still getting it done. I, I use the Headspace nice. um, a lot. I've been, I'm really good through the week, you know, my routine is kind of, yeah. I get up about five, I give the office before anybody else, I do my 10-minute headspace meditation i've got an inversion table upstairs i do my five minutes on the inversion table we, nice. have, a, we have a gym so i try to get a, i get a workout in i take a shower i start my day that keeps me regular I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm way better off when i'm getting all that in and i'm doing a pretty good job lately yeah. of getting it in it's important to me um and i feel so much better that's awesome um, there's something about that because then you know like every single day that you work out 
you've just worked out more than some people will work out in a decade. Right. And you do it every single day before most people get out of bed. Yeah, and it's it's nice because no matter, I think I heard it with General Petraeus on Tim Ferriss one time or something, and he's a super early workout guy. Yeah. It could have been Jocko Willick. I don't know. But <laughs> it was like, no matter what, if the whole day goes to crap, yeah. at least I did my workout. Yeah. <laughs> like when I lay down at night, I accomplished one thing, yeah. which is a hard thing to accomplish on a consistent basis. So there's a reason that people aren't in shape, including myself. Like, it sucks to try and work in a workout when you have a family and a career and, you know, you want to be a good dad and a good husband and you already have all these demands on your time. It, it's hard to make yourself you have to do it in the morning routine. You know? If you guys are listening to this and you're thinking about starting a workout program, do it in the mornings. Okay, you have to... It's imperative. You're not going to find time. You have to make the time and that means sacrificing an extra yes. hour of sleep. And Young then, Nick is laughing over there because he can still go to LA Fitness at 6.30, but his day is coming. Yeah. One day is going to be married. One day there's going to be little nicks running around, and one day you're going to be working out at five in the morning just like me, or you're going to be fat. Yeah, that's the truth. I get up at four thirty. I walk my dog. I you get up at four thirty. Four thirty. Oh, I get up early every day, and and uh, you know some days Tom Billio he's on the West Coast and he's already posting pictures of him oh, in the yeah, gym. He gets up at three thirty, and I'm like, dude, I'm in the gym in the East Coast at the same time as you're in the gym. Like sometimes you just. Well, it's like what Jocko Willink he posts his Timex every day. Yeah. It's always like four thirty two. Yeah. What are you doing right now? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, four thirty wow. in the morning. <laughs> Where are your goals at? He'll, he'll like put the picture of like his sweat stains all <laughs> over the floor. I mean, the dude is a beast. You know, but it's inspirational. I mean, that, that's part of it. And and he said something that really stuck with me. And um, sometimes you do have to listen to a lot of information just to retain a little bit of it. I and agree. this one little nugget he said is. If you wake up super early and you work out and you get that much far further ahead than everybody else, you will sleep faster. Like you don't need as much sleep because you're going to go to bed and you're going to be so exhausted that you're just going to pass yeah, out. There's no tossing and turning. There's no none of that. Like you hit the pillow and you're just out. I yeah. mean, it's just and it's so true. And sure, it was hard at first. And if you have a hard time getting up at four thirty and you're used to getting up at six, then get up at five forty-five and then five thirty and then. Five fifteen. Sure. And... Back. You know, I'm a, I'm a always I've always been an early bird. I never had a problem with early college classes. I mean, plus I was hungover. Right. <laughs> but I've always gotten up early. I've always liked being up earlier than everybody else. Yeah. So that's not a big deal. But the part that's hard for me, I hate it working out early. I don't mind being up early. Yeah. Like, yeah I'm an English major. I want to have some coffee. I want right. to read something. I want to you know chill. That's yeah. What we do. And. <laughs> Ponder. I, I love. I was always <laughs> athletic too, and I love working out. But I was. I was the six thirty, seven o'clock. That's sort of when I feel at my best. Even now, if I could work out at seven o'clock every night and that was fine and that fit into my life, that's yeah. exactly what I would do. Yeah, but it doesn't. It gets squeezed and out. So yeah. too bad. You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you can't. So you got to get it in. You know. But that's hard too. You know. You get married. You know. My wife is different. My wife. Could sleep in and she's a night person yeah you know whereas me like by 9 30 whether i'm getting up early or not and i've always been this way when i was 20 yeah i was, I was not the guy at the club at four in the morning <laughs> I mean, i'm the guy that's like one o'clock i was like all right yeah, who's coming with me yeah, i'm already <laughs> passing out somewhere and that's just so we're kind of opposites in that way and you know you have to make that work i want to spend time with my wife you know, yeah we gotta i gotta manage i can't just be passing out at nine o'clock i mean you, you right. have to you got to make all these sacrifices, but you got to get it all in. And if there's one thing I'm learning, just get rid of the time suck. We all waste way more time than we realize. Yeah. Way more time, myself included. 
Um, we talked about that at the last meeting, and it, it stuck with me, and Taylor and I continue to talk about it. And uh, it's one of the reasons I thought you'd be a good guest for the podcast, because nobody ever talks about this stuff. It's like creating that space for yourself in your day to um, to have time to think and plan things out mm-hmm. and just, just to shut everything else down yeah. and just think. Like, just don't react. Just think. It's important. And, it, and it's hard to do, especially, you know, we're in a very reactive business. Yeah. And we're in a very demanding business at times. And that doesn't feel like work. You know, like today, <laughs> for instance, um, you know, I was talking to my wife on the way up here and she was asking about the day. And I felt like I just did meetings all day. Now, before I got on the road to come see you, I, I think they're important meetings. Right. I think they're going to advance our agenda and my plan. I think we're making good connections. I think those meetings are going to be great for things that are going to happen over the next three months. But that does not feel like work to me. Yeah. And so I feel like I didn't get anything done. You feel guilty? I feel 100% guilty. Yeah. I feel behind. Yeah. I feel like, oh, my God, I just sat around and talked all day. Like, I'm the <laughs> laziest person ever. You know, It's so hard to switch your mindset to the forward thinking and the, you know, your overall plan to where that, those were actually the most important things I could have done today. Yeah. But it, it doesn't look like work and doesn't feel like work. You yeah. Know? It's uh that's a challenge for me. I struggle with that. Um, I mean, I grew up, said, my family worked hard, you know, I grew up doing hard jobs, you know, when you're digging a ditch or you're cutting down trees for firewood or you're mowing lawns or, you know, weed eating half mile things that feels like work yeah, yeah so you go home at night and there's value in that it's, you know you feel like you did something that feels yeah. like work you know sometimes when you have a day like today it's like i don't know you know it just, it just doesn't feel like work and that, that is a struggle i think not just for me but i think for a lot of people same thing here i spent most of the day on my cell phone talking to different people talking to you for a little bit talking mm-hmm. to mike shapiro Hi, Mike, if you're listening. Uh, and, you know, that means usually when I, when I have this conversation, I know they're going to be a while I close the door and I'm just standing there talking and everybody can see what I'm doing. Yeah. A- and I feel guilty. Like, I feel like I also have to be doing something else. But, like, that's all just in my head. Like, I really don't think that's imposed on by anybody else so much right. as it is on me. There's, like, this, like, dopamine, adrenaline you get when you're trying to bang out a quote last minute and... Or just make POs. Like, sure. when I started, there were only two other employees. Like, we did everything. And now there's a total of 10 people that work here and, um, you know, part-time and full-time. And I'm I'm doing a lot less, but I'm getting a hell of a lot more done. Absolutely. And, and you're right. There, there is that, you know, I know when there were points in time where you, when you have the big ideas and you're struggling to find the time to, to even think about them or to implement them, all you want to do is pull yourself out of the day-to-day grind. Yeah. Right? Bring it back. Um, but Full then I do, I do feel myself sometimes it's fun to win an order. You know, yeah. It's fun to have a customer on the counter and, you know, maybe one of my employees is like, no, we can't help you, but I happen to overhear it and I know of a solution. Or right. I know, and I, I get to come in and save the day or, yeah. or whatever. Like those things are fun. And, and, you, unfortunately, you can't pull yourself out of a lot of day-to-day stuff without removing some of those, too. And those are hard to scale, though, too, right? For sure. For sure. <laughs> that's what it's all about. But sometimes by scaling, you have to do things that aren't scalable, you know? And, and uh, um, I think I mentioned this podcast here in a previous conversation, um, How I Built This mm-hmm. on NPR, mm-hmm. another great podcast. And uh, it made me realize that these companies, these huge companies like Airbnb or Cliff Bar or whatever, like, 
they didn't have any idea and maybe still don't even have any idea what the hell they're doing. Like when oh, they first 100%. started and the way they would do it is to go to customers and like sit there and live the experience of, of like, what's it like using our product? What's it like to eat our own dog food kind of thing? Right. And so there are days I'll go to a customer and just be like, Hey, do you mind if I just hang out for a day? And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, can I just come hang out? Like, I know we have deliveries. I know you're going to make will calls and stuff. Like I, can I just see what it's like on your side of the ball, ball yeah. game, you know? And they're like, uh, sure. Come hang out. It's like, won't get in the way i'll bring food don't worry it'll be cool and i just sit there and i watch like my delivery my delivery guy show up and he makes a delivery and i just watch that whole process go you know hopefully from behind a window so they don't even know i'm watching and i watch them make orders over the phone and i'm just like okay i see we're doing that and i watch them make orders to my competitors you know and i watch i just watch the whole day go by and i'm just trying to learn like goes back to the empathy thing like yeah put yourself in their shoes you're gonna be able to help them more when you figure out exactly what you're doing do you do any other Feedback loops to your customers? Do you do surveys? Do you do Man. because I'm not currently. That's something I'm certainly. I would love to do surveys. To do. I I really don't think that people would do them unless there were a very high reward. I literally just go places and say, "Tell us how we suck." Like, yeah, I think that's better than a survey, honestly, because again, I think a survey is. I think everybody does that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I I really believe in the power of feedback and 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 being blatantly honest and saying listen i'm here for the feedback um i know it might hurt you might think it's going to hurt trust me i won't i won't take it personally never take anything personally um and it's like the way i always describe it is like it's like i'm a knight about to ride out into battle and if mm-hmm. i'm missing a piece of armor that i'm not aware of you're a jerk if you don't tell me you right. know like you're not my yeah. friend if you're like i don't want him to make him feel bad you know he looks so nice riding off into the sunset and have him come back and put that armor on you know yeah. i don't I, I don't like if you have somebody something on your face like your friends will be like hey man get that shit off your face yeah but the people that don't know you as well won't tell you about it because Absolutely. they don't want to make you feel uncomfortable yep. i want to be un- i won't be uncomfortable so go ahead and tell me give me the feedback yep. help me grow and and i and it's rare that the customers ask for feedback on what they're doing but i would give them honest feedback of like hey the way you place orders really it's isn't efficient really yeah <laughs> like it's not efficient for you right. and, and and your billing cycles and all that stuff and well and you don't have enough of those conversations i mean the great thing about that guy yelling at you is he's yelling at you yeah he could it, when there's when it's silence on the other end yeah. you're not getting those phone calls and he just took his business elsewhere because he's fed up yeah it, he's yelling at you because he wants to keep doing business with you yeah so you better fix it that's what i i told jim that one day somebody yelled at him and i was like dude just just when you hang up, whatever words he said, just reframe it in your mind as, I'm trying to give you more money. Why don't you just listen? Yeah, you know? <laughs> <That's great advice. laughs> it really is what they're trying to do. Yeah. And if they do go silent, they go dark. I want to keep giving you money. Yeah. That's what but it, I'm so angry right now. Yeah. Help me get to a place where I can continue to give you good money yeah. and, and, and feel good about you. it. You know, And uh, when they're silent, honestly, we're so busy reacting to things that we won't even notice it for six months and be like, hey, mm-hmm. whatever happened to that guy? And he's already gone on and fell in yeah. love with some other supplier. Well, that... statistic is, what is it? You lose 10% of your customers a year or something like that? It's, it's crazy. Yeah, even in a small market like Vero, we see that. Um, and, you know, some customers, you do have to let them go, and, and that's a hard decision. And Or when they do walk away, you don't pursue them. And... Uh, you know, so not every customer is profitable just because they're putting up big numbers. You know, sometimes you're spending, Absolutely. you know, you could be in a situation where you've got an employee that all he does is work on one customer and, and maybe it's not profitable, you know, at the end of the day. But those are all decisions that we get to make in the, the fun 
hate-filled world of being a CED <laughs> manager, you know? Uh, so I do want to acknowledge you. We're coming to the end of the show. I just want to acknowledge you for being the first uh, non non kind of roped into it guest. I kind of right. forced tra- Taylor into it. So to, to volunteer for it, to drive all the way up here, I really that appreciate fun, that. Man. I enjoy it. Uh, there's going to be lots more. And, uh, you know, I, it's just getting started. So any feedback, of course, we could, we could discuss. Um, I'm totally open to it. I'm not excited about hearing my voice. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of ums and likes. I'd, I'd like to oh, yeah. Them. That's actually half the reason I'm doing this is so I can yeah. I can get that out of my um, system. So moving forward. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I try not to listen to my own voice too much. I don't really edit it. You know, I'm just going to let it ride as it is. I don't think there's too much that needs to be edited. Um, but, yeah, that's that's about all we got. Um, let me see if there's any other questions we want. Oh, last question. What are some common myths about our industry or about our position that, that you want to dispel before you go? Um, let's see. That it doesn't exist. We're here. <laughs> yeah. <you know>? <laughs> I don't know if people are aware of it. Until Amazon squashes um, us. <laughs> <laughs> they're coming. Uh, no doubt about it. Big Box is coming for us. I, I saw your article yeah, if we don't, um, we can win. We can win easily. I believe it. If we're doing the right things. But make no question, they're coming. Common myth about our industry. Um, I would say that it's boring. I mean, I certainly thought that. Again, I wasn't mechanically minded. I didn't know anything about what we do. And I'm not going to say that everything that we do is super exciting. I mean, we certainly sell like EMT pipe. Not very sexy. Um, but we also sell the latest and greatest LED lights and lighting controls and stuff you can control from your phone, and that stuff is fun. Um, there's millions of products we have access to and that we sell on a regular basis. And, and you get to decide what your store is going to be all about. Absolutely. You know, Are you going to be a pipe and wire guy? Are you going to be a LED green specialized control place that knows everything about the home latest home automation and Alexa? I mean... I think it all goes back to what you said in the beginning. Like, it is what you make it to be based on your choice as to what you want the world to be like, you know? And you have nobody to blame but yourself. That's it. I mean, and, and you know, I just before we close out, I, I, I went through this dark spot probably two years ago. and Not, not too super dark. Don't, no, don't get worried, guys. But I was just coming home. I was, I was just, like, not fully in. I was working a ton, and I was coming home drained, and I just wasn't super happy. And my wife goes what's wrong? And I, I told her, I started saying all these things and she's like, but aren't you the boss? Like, don't you get to just change that if you want to? And I was like, damn it. She's a hundred percent right. Yeah. And then like you said, if it's, if Something I'm not happy, right. oh, there, she's always right. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't even need an opinion. But if, if, uh, if, if I'm not happy, if I don't like the way things are going, there is nobody to blame except me. And, and I, there's a lot of, a lot of pressure in that, but pressure is a privilege, you mm-hmm. know? Hey, it's hard. Guess what? Building a business is hard. Yeah. Building a profitable business is even harder. Yeah. I wish I was Amazon and Bezos and I could just bleed money left and right and, and do whatever pet projects I want and send yeah. rockets to the moon and investors just kept giving me money whether I was profitable or not. But it's not my reality. Uh, and so, yeah. it, hey, it's tough. It's a tough world out there. It's the capitalism. But it's also fun. And it's what you make it. Absolutely. I believe that 100%. And that's that's not just CED, but we do need to get some... Uh, some you know, get that, get the word out on the street that this business can be fun and we can attract young people like, into it and, totally. and keep the vibe going. You I'm know? fun. I can't move. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 two recommendations. Yeah. Headspace we talked about earlier. Yeah. Download it. Use it. It's free. I think it'll change your 
you pay for it or you just use the free no i bought i upgraded yeah i'm a believer yeah even the upgrade was like five dollars yeah you guys have five dollars yeah maybe it was ten dollars it wasn't a lot of money it was less than twenty dollars i like that guy's voice yeah he's a brit yeah australian or something i don't know but he's very i think he's english yeah Yeah, it sounds english sometimes it's hard to tell with those two (laughs) that and if you're like me um, like we were talking about earlier, when it comes to management, making tough decisions and making them quicker and not dragging stuff out, everyone should either read or download on Audible. The Ben Horowitz, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. Nice. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing book. It, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, of like ghetto rap lyrics that he uses in between <laughs> each chapter, and, and that's kind of funny and interesting, so prepare yourself for that. Uh, but it's amazing. It, it chronicles all the tech startups that he did and all the struggles they went through. And it's a very different industry from what I do, but there were so many parallels. Um, it's running a business. You know, the right. book is about running a business. Not, I mean, some of it's tech specific, but not really. Like, it could apply to any business. And the difference in being a wartime CEO and a peacetime CEO, and I can tell you, know having experience being a startup or working on a turnaround acquisition project you need to have both of those in your arsenal right it definitely felt like we were at war sometimes Uh, (laughs) but i mean i can't recommend that book more i mean i've probably listened to it three times yeah just there's so much gold in there well the uh the tagline for the show is ideas and equal ideas out if you guys are listening to this it's because you want to be putting more ideas into your, your brain so that you can get more ideas out. And that's the only way you're ever going to change. If you keep doing the same things you've been doing, keep learning the same things you've been learning without exposing yourself to new opportunities, new ventures, you're never going to grow. I mean, the person you are today is just that, the person you are today based on everything you've learned up until now. So the only way to grow is to keep finding new things to challenge yourself and push the boundaries and, and learn new information and just, just keep jamming it into your head until you get to where you want to be. With that, thanks, Travis. Appreciate you coming on the show. Enjoyed it. We'll do it again. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's our show. Thanks again to Travis for joining us. And uh, if you have any feedback or comments, please feel free to reach out to us. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, IG. Hit us up at Gmail. It's the GetWiredPodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing your comments. And if you want to be a guest on the show, just reach out to us or go to thegetwirepodcast.com slash connect for more information. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you soon.